With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Welcome to episode 23 of the Celtic Exchange. This is Tino and today I'm joined by Miff and Paddy. So with no football to speak of, it's been a particularly quiet time for Celtic this week. But is that simply the calm before the storm ahead of what's a hugely important summer for the club, both on and off the park? I can only speak for myself, but I fully expect to see the announcement of Eddie Howe by the 1st of June and possibly as early as this week. And for that to be the first major step of the rebuild that we face ahead of next season. Miff, Paddy, I'm not sure where your confidence levels are at at this stage after months of speculation, but do you think this is a week where we'll finally see white smoke appear from the North Stand? No, I don't. I'm not even going to talk about it. My week has revolved around being extremely sad at not being involved in the Scottish Cup final weekend. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a, a novel feeling for us Celtic fans and one I don't think we'll ever take for granted again. Also the announcement of the Euro squad, delighted for David Turnbull and all the other Celtic players, Brian Christie, Cal McGregor, Jack Henry, Greg Taylor. And I was somewhat surprised when I saw the, the strikers that we did take. I was quite surprised that we didn't take. Lee Griffiths purely just as a you know an absolute X factor off the bench I know he's no fit <laughs> or hasn't been fit for Celtic but it was probably fitter at the latter stage of the season than it was at any other, other stage yeah. so I just would have thought just because of the balance of the squad and the experience in the squad that he would have probably been worth taking a gamble on but you know obviously Steve Clark is known for his cautiousness so you obviously want to make sure that you take five left backs <laughs> and three goalies and three right backs yeah, and all, all that goes with it Paddy welcome back to the show for yourself I see you're sporting a Christian Christopher Julian style moonboot no less after <laughs> a recent Fies injury uh, big question though uh, will you be fit for the new season and almost as importantly is it Eddie Howe week for you? I think for the new season probably not I missed out in the Euro squad there as well it's <laughs> been a big disappointment um, no for how this week, I think so. I think something's imminent. Um, I think obviously they need to start getting the season books out there as well. And also, first and foremost, we've got to look at, um, like I said a couple of weeks ago, the Euro qualifiers around the corner soon as well. Uh, never mind Euro 2021. Got We've got the qualifiers to start planning for and we're going to have quite a depleted squad as it stands. So the sooner the better. I think it will be now. I think if it's got anything to do with what happened with Bournemouth, that's all finished now. It should be happening. Yeah, so. I think so. Matthew you seem particularly, not against it, but not convinced at all? No, no. Well, I think um, probably more likely we'll appoint John Hughes and it is Eddie Howe at this minute. Well, there's the thing. So an impeccable source of ours, uh, it's Sinky, by the way, has informed us that line of duty star Martin Comston has recorded a special video confirming the H is for Eddie Howe and that's going to be the big uh, multimedia announcement. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. Or whether it's H for Hughes or Gary Holt or Paul Hartley. Who knows? But oh, jeez. Time will tell. Another worry in that there today, obviously John Hughes. Hughes announcing that he was leaving Ross County. Mm-hmm. actually seen Jim Duffy has resigned for Aidan Barton as well. So The Hughes and Duffy dream team. Is there you go. <laughs> Pals reuniting. You wanted how? <laughs> this is what you get. <laughs> uh, there is a suggestion, a couple of folk have said uh, on Twitter just this afternoon. So yeah, you're quite right. I think Yogi Hughes was on a fixed term contract. The job was to keep Ross County up and he's done that. And a few folk have suggested he may be a good fit for Celtic's either their Colts team or somewhere within the academy. I'm okay with that. I think John Hughes is a real football guy and in general terms his philosophy is something that I, I'm quite into but would you be keen to see him involved in the club in some way as opposed to the bigger job? I wouldn't say no to him. Um, I think he's got quite a, a good track record. I don't know, obviously, he's, he's been around the smaller clubs throughout his career. The step up to ourselves, I don't know. It's maybe not something he's confident on himself. He seems to quite like the idea of a shot apart and obviously you've seen that leaving after the time in charge at Ross County there. He's done his job again, though. Yeah, kind of, I wouldn't mind him around the stadium, I think. Everyone raves about him. I think he's he's a positive mind, which yeah. I think the backroom needs just now. It was all quite kind of doom and gloom mm-hmm. uh, last season. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't say no to a certain role, but what that would be, I don't know. Yeah. You'd mentioned, Paddy, there. So, obviously, uh, Bournemouth are now out of the playoffs and there was much speculation that as long as they were in, Eddie Howe couldn't be appointed and different things. So, no less than Ivan Tony's Brentford put them out there at the weekend. And it seems that that should open the door, you know, for something or some sort of announcement. 
It was also rumoured, and I read a couple of articles, that Eddie Howe, even up until now, till the end of this month, has been paid a hundred grand a week by uh, Bournemouth as part of his gardening leave and different things. He couldn't possibly, you know, terminate that by making a move to Celtic early, nor could Celtic have said, well, we'll front up the however much it's going to cost us in compensation. So if that is the case, if he's getting anything like that figure on a month, on a weekly basis, sorry, from Bournemouth, you can understand why they've just paused, because there was no need for him to come in while our season was still running on. And for the sake of maybe waiting an extra couple of weeks to make this announcement, it just makes sense, doesn't it, if that's what's to be the case? If it's been on a contractual basis that we've not had to, uh, we've not been able to say anything about him being appointed, but in the background, he started the planning, I'd be more than happy with that. What do you think, Mark? Do you think you've been doing some work behind the scenes? The, the bottom line is we just don't know. And it's that it's killing me. It's absolutely killing me. I'm not going to lie. To, to be without any tangible information for so long is just absolutely murder. It's, you know, if you're presented with a, a small amount of information, a, a smidgen of information that you can go on, then that's fine. But there's been absolutely nothing confirmed, nothing official. Everybody's just guessing. It's going to be this week, it's going to be this week, it's going to be this week. How long have we been saying it? Mm-hmm. We've been saying it literally for months. Yeah. So for me, I'm just, I'm like, you know what, I look forward to the day, I pick up my phone, or I, I look at my laptop, and the news is there. Yeah. And, you know, welcome Jack Ross. <laughs> so Neil Lennon, I think, uh, as of this Wednesday, he's 13 weeks out the building. It's a long, long time for a yeah. club like us to be, you know, in such a, a position of uncertainty, isn't it? It is. I think I'm, I was... Talking to the boys about this um, during the week there, a notification came up about Ronnie Dyler's last game when we beat Motherwell, trounced him. Jack Hitches uh, scored. Yes, that's right, aye. I was there. And see, at that point, we knew Dyler was leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still didn't know that Rogers was going to be the man coming in. Now, the dates are fairly similar, but the big difference being we've hung on for 13 weeks without a manager. Just on that point, um, I think we chatted about this last time you were on, Paddy. I left that game and not soon after it, I was able to buy a season ticket for the next season. Because that was me and my, my wee boys' first season as, as holders. We'd been going to a few games sporadically that season, but I was able to buy a season ticket after that game. Mm-hmm. So, again, right. we're, we're just in un, we're in uncharted territory. Yeah. And, you know, we weren't glory hunting. We bought our season ticket before <laughs> Rogers was announced. Aye. So there you go. Fair enough. But you would fully expect that, you know, as and when they make this appointment, whether it's going to be in the coming days or 1st of June was the, the date I'd heard officially there last week, uh, whenever the, the announcement is made, surely the season ticket book just very naturally follows right on the back of it. It just makes sense, doesn't it? It's the it's chance for making a, it'll be a good marketing campaign straight away. Yeah, I, I think that they are going to go hand in hand with it looks like. Mm-hmm. Now this obviously remains very much the subject of speculation, but there's a few coaches at Bournemouth that Eddie Howe is rumoured to want to be bringing in and with them. So a guy called Stephen Purchase, what do you know, what do you know about him, Murph? Zero. Um, you're my lower league uh, correspondent. I don't, I don't know. What... Uh, another chap, Simon Weatherston. And I think these guys mostly played lower league stuff. Simon Weatherston was at Yeovil, Crawley Town, etc. Purchase, I think, was mostly Bournemouth and Leighton Orient for a spell. Uh, these guys are the main first team coaches there just now. And technical director, Richard Hughes, who we know probably a wee bit more about. He was mm-hmm. capped for Scotland a few times, played for Portsmouth for a number of years. And these are the guys that are rumoured to be joining Eddie Howe in Glasgow if and when he makes that decision. There's obviously the, the fact that Bournemouth won't be a Premiership club. It makes it easier to get a hold of these guys. But I suppose, you know, we have nothing really to gauge against how good they might be or not, have we? No, but I don't think many people knew who the likes of Chris Davies were and a lot of the backroom staff that Rogers brought in. And obviously, they guys followed Rogers about. Mm-hmm. Um, so if Howe is confident in this team and you look at the work he's done with this team, then... I mean, obviously, we don't know much about them, but it's uh, I'm, I'm willing to give these guys a chance. Mm-hmm. There's also speculation that he's going to bring in a, a number of backroom staff out with these guys. So, you know, sports science, fitness, analysis, even psychology. Is that something that you think is needed at the club, given the what we've seen this year? Well, it's a, a very modern step. I would say yes, because the feeling I get, I have no confirmation of this. It's just the feeling I get when I think about this season, when I think about how, how it's been handled, is I get the feeling we were slightly unprofessional. Yeah, as a as a club mm-hmm. this season, and that is that's pretty damning, I would say, considering what was at stake this season. But also, I think it's pretty damning to the people at the helm. That's just how it feels to me. As I say, I have no evidence of that. So if somebody's got to come in and and create a structure, I think there are players within that squad that will thrive on that. Mm-hmm. We saw it happen previously with Rogers. I think a very similar thing would happen again. But just to go back to the point about the backroom staff that you guys made there, and also to touch on the, the John Hughes element too, because I think it all kind of ties in the the backroom staff. What intrigues me about how is the job that he did in his early days at Bournemouth rather than once they reached the Premier League because I think what you've seen was a manager 
getting access to funds and not really quite having a strategy, or them as a club, quite having a strategy as to what to do with that money, and, and they spent inefficiently. They spent big on unproven talent, mm-hmm. which was a mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, the likes of Jordan Ibe, Dan Smith, and, and people like that for, for Liverpool. And even, even Solanke, I'd agree, you could probably argue as well. Yeah. Now, you could see the theory there. Mm-hmm. It just didn't work out for him. So hopefully that's something Eddie Howe's learned from. But what intrigues me more about Eddie Howe is the job that he's done to that point. The job that he did, building Bournemouth from nothing. Like with Rodgers, it was more about the job Rodgers had done with Swansea that intrigued me about him, rather than the job that he'd done with Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah. And that, to me, is why Howe would be a, a, an exciting appointment. In terms of Hughes, I absolutely love what John Hughes, when John Hughes speaks about football. You know, I think, unfortunately for him, he's got that stupid salt and sauce accent, <laughs> which makes people think, oh, I don't, I don't even want to listen to him. But you've, you've just lost when, as a, when a you raft do, of East Coast listeners. Well, yeah, I, I was sorry about that, Troops, but, you know, <laughs> he, has got that, he has got that accent. So when you actually listen to what he says, it's all about good players getting on the ball, letting them express themselves. Just all, all the types of things you would want to hear your manager say. Mm-hmm. And, he's, you know, he's been with teams that have been in the bottom part of the Premier League They've still tried to play some fairly nice football. And again, I go back to the job he did at Falkirk. The youth setup that yeah. he presided over at Falkirk, which was an absolute cash cow for them mm-hmm. in terms of the, you know, it was like Sir Jay Fulton came through it, Scott Arfield um, came through it as well. You know, really, really kind of prominent players that went on to have good careers. And it was ultimately Falkirk's demise coincided with him doing away with that setup. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot say that. that that's that, you know, and they're, they're now languishing in, in, in League One. Or did they get promoted? No, no, no. They sacked their managers, didn't they? Aye, Lee Miller, uh, Lee Miller was there, wasn't he? Before the playoffs. Aye. So, you know, you, you look at that and you say, if John Hughes was in at Celtic and was was responsible for, you know, the coaching setup, maybe for, for the unders through to the, uh, through to the 21s or, or the 20s, then I think that would be a positive step because mm-hmm. I, th- I do think he's got something to offer. We need, we, it's the structure of the club fundamentally that, that, that has to has to be looked at from top to bottom. Too many young players, as we've mentioned on several podcasts this season, fall by the wayside. Is there a genuine pathway to the first-team squad? Not with any regularity. No. It seems to be we stumble across people and put them in the first-team squad rather than say, you know, as of this season, there's four players getting offered professional contracts and getting in and training with the first-team squad because we think they're good enough. Very rarely does that seem to happen or be part of the overall strategy. So, you know, I think that all ties in. How is going to bring in people that he would trust with a rebuild because he's done it before with them? Yep. And John Hughes would be someone that I would I would be in favour of coming in because of his philosophy in football and his experiences in developing youth setups mm-hmm. over a period of time. Yeah, and I think I think what you're talking about there, Miff, between Hughes and Eddie Howe is just a genuine, you know, in its truest sense, coaching credentials. It's not about being a checkbook manager, and I think I suppose Eddie Howe didn't do do so well when it came to actually signing the big bucks players and all that kind of stuff. But I suggest as a coach and getting the best out of what you've got, which is really, you know, what the job is. If you take a group, and Brendan Rodgers is, it's the age-old example now, but he took a group that were doing okay, stagnating to an extent, and just made them better, you know, in its simplest sense. And that's exactly what I would expect from Eddie Howe. And if somebody like John Hughes comes in and and forms part of the the youth setup, then I think think Celtic's Youth Academy could do a bit of a a freshen up for all concerned. I think a lot of the coaches themselves have been there for a long time and maybe just an injection of something new, a different voice. And that's the same with, with any work life. Something new, something fresh. It might just help out across the board. Obviously, the Colts are now getting into the, the pyramid system, if you like, or what we mm-hmm. call the, the Lowland League for a year. That'll be a very interesting year in terms of their development. And why not maybe shake it up now that they're, they're going through that phase? Also, yep. uh, John Hughes saved Mass and Patrick's Day. Go on. 1995 or 96, scored the equaliser, I That's right, yeah. Good reason is any to get him in. Yep. Get him in. <laughs> um, Job's yours, Yogi. Yeah. In terms of uh, you know some other comings and goings are, are kind of rumbling. So it's been suggested. I think it's unconfirmed at the moment by the club that uh, Olivier and Cham has had his contract terminated. I don't know if you lads have heard anything more concrete, but it was doing the rounds a few days ago. That would be a strange move, wouldn't it? First of all, it would indicate that somebody is pulling strings behind the scenes. But to let a guy go that, if rumours are to be believed, Porto were going to pay twelve million for a couple of seasons ago, that would seem very strange, wouldn't it? I think on that one with, with Cham, it's, and there was a tweet doing the rounds not too long after Twitter was flooded with news about it. That um, There's no news in that at all. But then again, there's nothing concrete yet. Um, and again, it's maybe something we're going to have to wait. New manager possibly gets announced and then we start seeing who's coming and who's going. The thing for me with Cham, if it's going to be one of those ones that his contract was possible on the basis of we'll decide to extend a final year Aye. and 
if his attitude is that he wants to go, then you part ways. You part ways. It'd be one of the biggest earners at the club, so I don't know if what he'd be on something maybe, I don't know, somewhere between 25 and 30, something Possibly, like that. Yeah. Celtic paid four and a half million for him in summer 2018. As I say, he's a guy that came with huge potential. He's shown in flashes what he's got. But yeah, he's not had that consistency and he's had that very poor loan spell there at Marseille. But he's still an asset and it would seem strange. That, that's what I read, but I read that Celtic have the right not to exercise a fourth year of his deal and just simply mm -hmm. cut their ties. So if it saves him 25 grand a week, then maybe that's a move. But it would just seem strange that they couldn't punt him even for a couple of million somewhere. You'd like to think that a new manager came in and, you know, new start for him. You know, there's a there's a gap in a midfield. And like you say, I think he's an asset. I'd like to see him kind of kick on eventually. But how long have we been saying that for? Mm -hmm. It is a risk. But I do think there is a, there is a player there. His attitude, though. Questionable. Yep. Um, but yeah, with, with the Encham chat and also um, Klamala now been over in New York having a great time, it seems quite obvious, Miff, to me that there is someone making calls on footballing matters. Now, as we know, unfortunately, Peter Lowell has made some of those calls historically. I think it's pretty well known that that's been the case. Do you think that's still the case just now? Or would you believe that it's someone like Howe or whoever is going to be the coach? I think we can, based on what we know, we can only assume it's Lowell. Because we don't know anything else, but we're only guessing. That that's my frustration with the, the whole situation, mm -hmm. and and unfortunately, what what's happening is people are just filling in the blanks themselves, and that's why you're getting so many different mad stories coming out. As far as Encham's concerned, it all comes down to attitude. Encham, if a new manager comes in, gets him switched on, and gets back that player that that would have went for you know millions of pounds, then great. And we've got an asset. We've got we've got somebody with a bit of a point to prove to get himself back to the the level that he feels he should be at. As I said, I think I mentioned it last week, I think there was always a difference of opinion on position Wayne Cham as to where he wanted to play versus where the management wanted to play and I think that, that obviously caused a bit of eruption between him and Lennon. I, I think it would be fair to say I don't think either of them were huge fans of each other based on how they, Aye, they, they, they communicated with each other. It, it looked very, very tense between them. Um, so everybody's got a fresh start at the end of the day. Everybody's got one. So if, if guys like, you know, in Cham, Hendry, even Bio and Shved, I would doubt, I, I I can't see them fitting in, but just, just taking them as loanies that, that would come back. I've seen that the, the young lad, um, Leah Connor for Tramier, has been called up to the Republic Ireland senior squad mm -hmm. today, so, you know, he's been on loan at Tramier, playing regular football, they get into the playoffs. You know, m maybe he's somebody getting experience at, at 20, getting called up for the Irish squad, maybe he comes back and he's got a role to play. Everybody's got a fresh start. It's now down to the players to, to take that, and hopefully, hopefully, if it's someone like Eddie Howe that's got credentials and improving individual players then that's something that the players are excited by and it just gives us that bit of positive momentum getting into the new season Yeah, I think it's a bit of a, a blank slate for everybody and I asked a question on Twitter this afternoon as to who some of the you know the listeners and, and followers would like to see given a chance or who they would cut so a variety of responses you can imagine there's there's loads of guys here that are in the mix that I feel are definitely their Celtic careers are in the balance they're at the crossroads it's the obvious ones you know it's Barkas Ayeti Griffiths Tom Rogic, who I think is a really interesting one. I'd like mm. to touch on that in a minute. Ryan Christie, Beaton, even Young Dembele. There's lots of guys just now where you, you couldn't confidently say one way or another where they'll be playing their football next year. I think for me, um, some of those names, uh, Christie, I think they'll probably try and look, look to get something for him. If his contract's up in January, they'll maybe look to just try and cash in on something. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's been made clearly evident that he doesn't, doesn't see a future with us. Uh, well, maybe from his own dad that said that, but that's enough for me. If your if your heart's not in it, then and it's not in it now. Mm -hmm. Just on that point, if this season has taught us anything, don't try and hold on to players that don't want to be there. Aye, it sure has. It's it's probably been the biggest feeling, and it's it's absolutely a hindsight call. But I think we could all see with some of the stuff by Edward, maybe even Ayer, maybe even Callum McGregor. He might fall in that category. But there are several guys that just seemed that it was a season too far. And yeah, maybe it's a lesson learned. And I don't know. We can sp spin that in a positive somehow. As I say, we can't cover all the guys that are fifty fifty just now. But if I'd like to touch on who you refer to as the, the council Zidane Tam Rogic what do you feel about him has he got a future well yes on the basis that he signed a new contract um, did he last season I believe he did right let check that I think I'm pretty sure he signed a new contract last season right. so because he was there was talk of him leaving was there not remember mm -hmm. he, he, mm -hmm. he, he was got to go and he couldn't agree personal terms I'm, I'm pretty sure right. I'm pretty sure there, there was a, a, maybe some sort of extension to his contract but I think Rogic is 27 somebody said he was 28 today on Twitter and uh, Twitter never lies Miff, so we'll go with that 27, 28 Coming into his prime, get him fit, you know, again, somebody just improving him, proving his fitness, having him available more regularly. We saw in flashes last season, him look pretty good, but I think it's hard to judge players in last season just because they were so rudderless. Like, it looked like there was no plan, mm -hmm. um, there yeah. was no cohesion within the team, so 
you can almost write last season off in, in, in terms of looking at the ability players. The, the one out of that whole list, I mean, Barkas for me stays un, until I see evidence of him being the calamity Jane that everybody's making him out to mm-hmm. be, then, I, you know, I'll, I'll reserve my judgment. I think he made a couple of mistakes against away to Milan in terms of kicking the ball out. Other than that, it just doesn't seem to make a huge amount of saves, but at the same time, it doesn't seem directly culpable for any of the goals mm-hmm. either. So I think the jury's still out there, but he'd need to be going some not to be better than Bain. So Aye. I think you look at you look at Barkas and say, and I, I, again, that sounds really dismissive of Scott Bain. Scott Bain's your number two, number three goalkeeper. If he wants to stay and pick up a wage for being that great. And he does. You know, that that's that's so that that's fine. Um but for me, Barca stays and you buy a keeper, whoever that keeper might be. Ajeti, I'd I'd cut. I know I've seen loads of people on Twitter saying with the right coach, he'll be a player. To me, it just looks like the immovable object. I, I just it's just no for me at all. No for me. Not the type he's just not I mean, one word you could not use to describe him as dynamic. He looks in no way in any rush to do anything. Griffiths I, it's heart and head with Griffiths. My heart says I'd love him to have another season, get himself fit and just fire in a few goals. Head says he's let us down too many times and he should probably be cut, but I'm going to go and say no, I'd keep Paddy, is there anyone that jumps out for you that you'd love to see given a second chance, whether it is you know, Griffiths or any of the lads that Miff's mentioned? I need to disagree with Miff. I think he needs to go. In my yeah. opinion, just, I, think, no, yeah. I, I, get, I get it, but I just, I just love him. I, I, I think he's given us great times. I, I think he's living on one season though. And it was several seasons ago, yeah. Yeah, you know, and and uh, the chances he have he has been given, um, you know, he's been given time and time again to show up for a, a such an important season, not fit is. I mean, you don't get chan- chances like that in football, and I think the club have done really well with him, considering stuff that's happened off the field, and you don't get that in football. For me, I I, I don't think he done as much a service last season on that. Um, but I can understand, I can totally understand. You know, there is a place there for him and being able to save some of the big big goals he scored for us, important goals he scored for us. But I think now just cut our losses. Yeah, and if you'd mentioned that we've maybe learned a lesson from the season just past there in terms of keeping guys a, a season or so longer than they should be. Yeah. I think we've also learned from being over sentimental. You know, we've. Last season, whether it be Scott Brown or getting Lenny's treble and different things, I think we've been too kind to certain folk. And I think what you're saying, Paddy, is football is and should be ruthless. There's, there's no real room for sentiment when it comes to that. And I'm I'm being selective with my sentimentality here because I'm probably reserving it only for Lee Gavis and I'm not <laughs> doing it for anybody else. But I don't. I mean, even go back, I would have, I would have much rather we kept Scott Brown for this year specifically, just for this year, because of the transition. I think he was too important in the dressing room to let go. But by the same token all good things come to an end and it had mm-hmm. to happen sooner or later. So for it to happen at this point, m- maybe that will be a good thing in the long run. Obviously. That there will be new leaders that come into the dressing room and take us forward for the next four or five years mm-hmm. and we start that cycle again. And if Lee Griffiths isn't part of that, then, then then so be it. But just I just feel, I mean, I was looking at last game I was at in Celtic Park was, I think we beat St Mirren 5-0. Yeah, that was the last game. And Lee Griffiths scored the hat-trick. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. since then, it's just, you know, it's just completely dropped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the thing is, I was also disappointed. I'm closer to you, Miff, and it is a heart rule in the head thing, and maybe I've just been a bit nostalgic about it. I still think he's got something to offer, but, you know, that's the last three, four seasons, he's not really done it for the club, but I'll, I'm maybe just clinging on there to, to history. He will, but I'd like to think he'll be extremely disappointed that he never made the Euro squad, but he's only really got himself to blame there, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, a few, I've seen a few ramblings on Twitter about uh, people blaming Kennedy for that, and no, the, guy, the guy's been his own on the misses this season mm-hmm. um, and rightly left out I can kind of agree with where you're coming from to have him as that X factor to come on 20 minutes to go if we get a free kick especially against England Yeah, <laughs> you know that's something you would want him there for absolutely but it's his own doing I, his I own know doing. no absolutely yeah, yeah I think you're right in terms of uh, just some other guys just to touch on quickly there's obviously a few players out loan wise and I'm talking about Bios and Schveds and Jack Henry's do any of them have a future at the club? Do you, would you like to see more? I had a bit of a kind of almost joking admiration for Bio, thinking he was going to come big, but he's done bits and bobs at Toulouse. But is he the, the calibre we're looking for or, or any other two lads? Based on our strike force this season, um, he's actually done all right. I know it's League Two, but he's actually done okay for Toulouse. And I, I, you've got to give him a chance. He's still very young. What I'll say about Bio, even playing with Toulouse and playing as regular as he was, he still looks really raw. Mm-hmm. Still looks really mm-hmm. raw. And the goals that he's scoring are goals where He's, he's got half the part to run in. It's not back to goal, it's not hold up play, it's not the type mm-hmm. of play you would associate with Celtic at home True. with, with you know, eight, nine men behind the ball and needing, needing kind of sharp 
passing movement and angles. You know, I think Bio, much like Clamalla was, mm-hmm. we seem to buy these players that would like to run in behind, but most of the domestic games in Scotland, they don't get that, that space to do it. And I think that's why, I do think that's what makes someone like Lee Griffiths so unique, is that Griffiths, that's why he's so frustrating, because he's got that game where he can do both. Yeah. There's not many strikers that out there on our budget that we'll be able to go and bring in that's going to be able to do that. But I completely understand everything runs its course. And if it's good enough for Scott Brown to be told, right, well, we don't want to keep you, then then, then the same has to be mm-hmm. said for Lee Griffiths. But I, I suppose I'm just holding out hope. The same theories as Rogic, I, w- I would suggest, is that fresh coaching setup com- comes in, the players buy into that. And I know that it's ridiculous for us to be sitting here saying, why should the players be buying into anything they owe us I know, <laughs> after this I season? Right? But you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. They're professionals. They they want they want to they want to feel part of something. They want to buy into the new coaching setup, and I just hope that that freshness and that enthusiasm just you know kind of encapsulates all of them, and they will get carried along the journey, much like what happened to Rogers. Because I can't go another season of that man. No chance. <laughs> no chance, man. No, I think you're right there, though. I think like uh, a lot of the players. Granted, yes, everyone. It's a team effort, as we all know. And I think a lot of people are calling for a lot of players' heads after the, the, the way we, we played this season. But also, I, I, I think they're spot on. I think they need to buy in to what they're being told. And there was none of that last year. And players like players like Tam, he's possibly going to see a new, a new chance here. And his age is on his side. It really is. And it could be an important time. But I don't know. And I'm sure he's out. Well, it's an interesting point you make. Paddy, just about Bio being so young mm-hmm. because there's certain guys, Griffiths is obviously the exception at 30 or 31 this summer, I think, and maybe, you know, he's not into learning under a, a new coach and isn't as open to being developed, but I don't know, Bio, Shved, Henry, even Barkas Nayeti, these guys are all young men yep. and if they, granted it's been a horrible season, but if they come back in the right frame of mind and with the right approach next summer and working under the right coach, there's no reason why it couldn't be very similar in terms of what Roger's done and just really develop the guys that are there. No, I agree with you. And we're also actually missing out Paul and Golly here as well. Um, I know he's probably a, a, touching, a touchy point for a lot of people after what happened at the beginning of last season. I think it was very easy to throw under the bus for all of that, though. Yeah. Well, a lot of the things that happened. Um, it's going to be him and Greg Taylor as our two left-backs going into next season. don't know how I feel about that at all. That's worrying. Do, but you, get, do you give him a chance, buddy? Do you think he was a decent to. player? You've got to. Um, I think he's better than Taylor. Mm. I do. What are you at, Miff? Hey, I, thought, I thought there was potential there. Um the incident that happened it was regrettable, but you know there was a, a broadly similar incident. Well, Lee Griffiths didn't fly out of the country. He held a mm-hmm. he held a party at a time when you know everybody should have been in their own house. So there's maybe layers and, and tears that you would say one offence was slightly worse than the other, but you know it's still relatable. And the way that the incidents were handled were very very different. So for me, everybody deserves a fresh slate. If Bongoli comes in. You know, puts the head down, shows the right attitude. But where I was really suspect about Bongo, it was just his, you know, he was really disciplined. I think at Ibrox, the start of the 2019 season, was really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. But particularly, I think it was the Lazio game at home. He was really ill-disciplined. I still think there's that element in him. I, I, I honestly don't know how often he played. I remember that game. He was the cause of the first goal. Uh, he was, he, no he, he, was, he, was really, he was really, just really erratic and, and almost no, no chasing back. No. He was he was happy getting up the park, no coming back. I, I got I, I, just as a visual, I was like, he looks really exposed here, which was a surprise to me because he'd played European football mm-hmm. with Rapid Vienna, so he knew, he obviously knew what it was all about. So, in any case, I still think there's a lot of potential with ball, ball and goalie, but it's just really around does he want to come back mm-hmm. and prove, you know, prove a point to us, or is it maybe just one of those situations where if you can get your money back from him and, and you cash in, you go and reinvest? So, I, I, as I've mentioned before, I quite like the laddie Doig for Fibs. But the issue we, we do seem to have, and Doig would, would be similar as well, is height. He's he's not really the tallest either. Um, Greg Taylor, obviously, isn't he? Although he'll probably be feeling 10 foot tall if the Rangers win the league, but he's, <laughs> he's not the tallest either. So we, we need to, I think that's something within the squad we need to address, is, is something, is height. But on that point, I would still let Bitongo. I think Biton's somebody that he's been there, he's, you know, over... A period of time being a great servant, but he's he's someone that has to get moved on. Yeah, he's I de- agree. He's definitely on the list. Uh, just just to touch slightly back onto the ball and goalie situation, I also think I don't know if we've covered it in any of the, the recordings, but I don't think it can be underplayed the impact it may have had on the squad. So you can see Edward and him are pretty close, and I mm-hmm. think Edward's retweeted or done stuff on Instagram just to kind of you know support his mate. 
he was thrown under the bus, as you rightfully say, yeah. Paddy, and that that has an impact. You know, his mates around will say, "Hold on a minute, he's you know he's made a mistake," but you know, is is this really necessary? I don't I don't think there is any doubt that that had a major impact in the squad. No mm. doubt at all. A hundred percent. Again, it's something I've said to the guys. It's one of those ones. Granted, Edward's one of your main players. If that's Edward, is he given the same treatment as he was from from the board and fans? Fans mm. were all, all on his back. It was a grant. It's a stupid thing he'd done, absolutely, but. For what happened afterwards, it was just a bit too too much, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I think you're right. If it was Odson Edward, he wouldn't have been cast no. aside in the same way. I think it's a very valid point. Um, in terms of just going back to the, the Euro squad, so sadly, Lee Griffiths didn't make it, but congratulations to David Turnbull, who absolutely did, and absolutely deserves to be in that squad. He's Scotland's Young Player of the Year, um, and it's a real opportunity for him to go and prove it at international level. I don't know if he'll start many games, but he's the kind of guy that could come on and have an impact, doesn't he? He's something different. Um, I think, obviously, I, I'm trying to think who will be in that position that he would pr- probably take, and it's possibly going to be Christy. <laughs> um, for, for, for me, uh, Tumble offers up something different. I think, I've actually said to the guys, I think he's quite raw still, and to go and do what he's done this season and get Young Player of the Year in a season which has been a write-off for us, goes to show that there, there is a lot of potential with this guy, um, but he does, he tries stuff that other players in Scottish football wouldn't try, Scottish players wouldn't try in my opinion, mm-hmm. and that, that's exciting for me, so yeah, I definitely think he could come on and change the game. Matt, how highlighted you rate Turnbull? Yeah, I, I mean, a great prospect, cracking prospect, and, and I think it should be highlighted as well, he's one young player of the year, playing half a season, mm. you know, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a point that I go on about every single week, but again, I, I think it just exemplifies the, the, the season and, and how poor it's been and the, 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 the decision-making at Celtic, how that's been, that we've willingly watched Turnbull and then, then put him on the bench. But in any case, absolutely agree with Paddy in terms of he is that, he, he makes different angles, if that makes sense. That's yeah. how, it, by by using both his feet, he gets himself out. He, he looks like he's got to get closed down by one or two players and he's got that ability just to shift, play wee passes around the corner at different angles for, for other players and he, and he's always looking for that killer pass. Um, what I will say is, if you have a, an engaged and motivated Ryan Christie playing in that 10 position, that is also a really big asset to any team. I think the unfortunate thing for for um, for Celtic is he's kind of, maybe not chucked it, but he's certainly playing with less verve th- than he was. He still puts in as much work. Aye. You know, his work rate's still the same. But the, the subtleness to his game hasn't really been there. And that I think that was probably one of his biggest assets. So it will be quite something that um, the last six months of the season, Turnbull was getting picked over Christie. But when they go on international duty, Christie's got to get picked over Turnbull. But that's that's football. Mm-hmm. I think you make a good point there. I think a lot of the time with Christie this season, because obviously when he burst onto the scene with a Hearts game, you know, you were like, wow, right, here we go. And there is a there is a subtle quality to his play. Um, but I think, like a lot of them, they were trying to do too much. A lot of them are carrying on too much and obviously you see the amount of shots he's hit this year. They were just trying too hard because they didn't trust those around him or they didn't trust the system they were playing in. Um, whereas with Clark, I think he's you know he's he's got the, the ego massaged with Clark because he's a big player and I, I can see what you mean. But I think he is suited to start for Scotland in those games but definitely I can see Turnbull coming on and making a difference. Mm-hmm. And also, is Turnbull the kind of guy that any new head coach should look to build his team around? Maybe not solely David Turnbull, he's still a very young man, but he's one of the squad's biggest assets all of a sudden after, as you say, I've taken a few months to get started under Neil Lennon. Should how or otherwise come in early bells, get the arm round to his shoulder and say, I really want to build my team around you? I would expect so because he's one of the few players you know who's actually got to be there. Um, <laughs> you know, so for me, it's, it's a combination of two things. You know, he's, he's your asset. Um, but also, he, he's done enough in the team. You know, the team was struggling, and he's shown character. I think you referenced that last week, you know, in the podcast. So he's got enough going for him. But there's still definitely room for improvement. That that's the the, the great thing about it is you can actually see him get, getting better because there are still some decision making elements yeah. where he's, he's he's picked the wrong option. Um, specifically in some of the games against Rangers, actually. Um, I thought that, that was highlighted, but that, that game's come with a bit more pressure, there's a bit more at stake. But he still scored a hell of a lot of goals um, for midfield in a team that was failing to fire and, and, and really looked like struggling to open teams up. Mm-hmm. So I think he rose to the challenge, um, you know, moving from other role, becoming a Celtic player. He really stood up to that. And if any manager looks over the, the train wreck of last season, I think it'll be very obvious to them that, that Turnbull's the, the type of player that's got the right stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. So, yep, so good luck to David Turnbull and the rest of the Celtic lads that will be appearing at the Euros for Scotland. 
Um, and more general news just for football uh, as a whole. We've obviously seen the return of fans in recent weeks, which is wholly positive. I think there's going to be stadiums at 25% capacity for the Euros, Hamden, Wembley, etc. How important is the return of fans to football in general, but also specifically to a club like Celtic? Huge, huge. I don't think it's a huge same what happened last season. I think I've seen a few people try to put that excuse out there. I'm trying it. Uh, you're not getting <laughs> it. <laughs> but no, I think it's a, it's the players thrive off of a, a full stadium and we all thrive being there. It's totally different watching it on the TV, especially with Celtic TV. So no, <laughs> it's uh, I think it's a big thing. I do. I, I think it, it really helps players. They can, um, it can also manipulate decisions for a referee as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you miss all of these elements. It was really weird, actually. I watched some of the Man United Wolves game um, yesterday and when United scored, it was still strange because there was fans in the ground but it was just dead quiet when they scored with a couple of boos. And I, think, that, I think it was only home fans at the Premier League games yeah, yesterday, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that love led to that. So no away fans yet. So, But no, it's good. It's, it's positive that we're seeing that now. Yeah, and also when players sign for a club like Celtic, they're sold on the dream of the 60,000 fans every fortnight. So Barkas has never experienced that. Not in a Celtic shirt. He played against us for AK Athens. But Barkas, a Yeti, even some of the lone players who, who clearly didn't work out for, sadly Shane Duffy never got to, to experience that as well. Do you think that can lift guys to new levels, Muff? Clearly shows that it does. Um, you know, even speaking from a personal point of view, not having that there on a on a Saturday mm. or a Tuesday or a Wednesday night or a Sunday or whenever the game is, um, it's you know that's that is your your social life. Yeah. You know, I mean, for me, the jam at take take my wee boy there. Not having that, not seeing the guys in the bus for eighteen months, you know, with any regularity, it's 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 horrible. That's not even that's before you even start mentioning the. You know, actually getting into the games, walking into the stadium, seeing the folk that, that, that sit next to me in that as well, guys that I've sat next to for three, four years, um, re- really good guys. There's, um, In fact, after my salt and sauce jibe, there's um, folk from kind of, uh, Livingston, Whitburn and Bathgate sit behind me, so I'll probably get a slap next time I get into, <laughs> slap next time I get into Celtic Park, but like, missing those guys as well. And again, you know, as, as slushy as this might sound, started taking the wee man when he, when he was young, I think about four, now he's nine, they've, they've watched him mm-hmm. kind of grown up and stuff like that as well. They, they've always been brilliant with him. You know, you miss that. It's just, you know, I've still got videos on my phone. I think the game was the Man City game, which atmosphere-wise was up there with any game. Right. That was the 3-3 draw. Um, Kieran Tierney scoring, that, that was my wee boy's hero. Hmm. Him scoring against Man City. Oh, it was just, honestly, it was just a, a, an amazing night. I know we didn't win, and I know that, that leaves you open to getting slagged, but I, I do think if anybody was there that night, the, the atmosphere yeah, was, was, was phenomenal, comparing absolutely the, phenomenal. Comparing the teams, though, we never get beat, and that's as a result aye, against aye, them, aye. Aye. So, mm-hmm. um, no, it was, it, it was magic. So, you, you know, you've not, got, you've not got that there. I think how it is going to feel if you get a notification through that you've been selected in the ballot and you've got to be able to go to a game. I, I know how I'll feel. Mm-hmm. So to think that that is going to transmit immediately onto the field. Yeah. So straight away, it's a completely different dynamic to what, what we've been subjected to for the past season. Like Paddy says, I, I do think it was a factor, mm-hmm. not enough to make up a 25-point gap, unfortunately. But I do think it was a factor because I think it was a positive for, for Rangers as well because, let's be honest, traditionally their fans have got on their back more than they've necessarily supported them. I think they've found the weight expectation actually quite draining at times. Yeah. Whereas with the fans not being there, the weight expectation seemed to really drain Celtic this year. Again, not saying that that was the, the sole root cause. I think we've already been in it, but we feel the root <laughs> causes and the damage that's been done. It was done in the showers at Hamden after the treble treble season. But you take my point, everything's kind of combined. To, to just make this the ultimate season to forget. But the, the road to recovery starts with us getting back in, in the stadium. So the minute that we're able to do that, the minute we're able to support the team, the minute we're able to get behind Jack Ross and the, the players, I can't wait. Yeah. And I think it remains to be seen how many fans will be allowed in. So I think there are hopes that by the start of next season, it will have resolved itself in terms of the COVID situation. But but who knows? But whether it's 10,000 or 30,000 or 60,000 at Celtic Park, there's going to be serious energy in the stadium at that point, isn't there? Well, you can hear some of the games down south, even... I think uh, actually watching the Bournemouth game the other week, the energy in that stadium alone was 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 loud. Lesser, I know they used the stupid bits of paper to try and generate an atmosphere, but it was still Is that there. The clacker, ah, joke. Were you watching with your Brentford scarf on, Paddy? Were you hoping for a defeat for Bournemouth? to try and get things rolling? Absolutely, <laughs> aye. It is Ivan Tony Dreadlock. <laughs> yeah, but it's a uh, yeah. It's going to be you know a real buzz for everybody if we do get a look back at the stadium. I was going to ask the question of, of you lads in terms of what was the last game you remember attending. Muff, you've already covered that you went to the 5-0 game. I think that was back in the 7th of March. And the reason I've got, got that at the top of my head is because I was also there. Griffiths got a hat-trick. Edward scored and McGregor got a penalty in the 80th minute. 
What about yourself, Paddy? What's your most recent so, in-stadium recollection? A couple of weeks before that, it was um, February, uh, Celtic Hearts. We trounced them 5-0. Um, and I think, if I'm right in saying, Julian and Simunovic scored. And I actually think Griffith scored as well, by the way. I need to check that. But is, that is that that guy you're working on? Ah, I get oh, it. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> that was nearly two years ago. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. Aye, it, and it was just... Uh, we were going on holiday just before it and before all of this stuff kicked off. So I can remember it, but not as clearly as I like to, to be fair. Yeah. And the, the fact that, you know, we're joking, but Lee Griffiths scored the hat trick as did Edward and, and things were just cooking with gas at that point in time. It is, it's all the more disappointing how quickly we've fallen from from those heady heights to, to what we've seen last season. So we can only hope that the, the new guy, you know, gets us back on track and we're back to those types of performances sooner rather than later. I'm going to go even further back than two years, Miff. I'm going to go 18 years back. So on Friday, 21st of May there, uh, it was the 18-year anniversary of Seville. So just again, one for you, Lance, but what's your, what's your memories of that time? You know, looking back to better times. <laughs> um, the, the hottest drinking conditions I've ever experienced. <laughs> I think I managed to get steaming and sober up about four times through the course of the day because <laughs> it, was, it was that warm. It, it was, it's just so warm. Um, me and a couple of guys got the charter flight out of Presswick four in the morning on the day of the game so it was like it was like an in and out just on the day but we didn't stay over or anything like that four o'clock in the morning at Presswick and they were showing when you didn't at Presswick airport they were actually showing the 67 final on, on, a, on like a screen meeting in they had the bar open as well four in the morning obviously so happy Aye. days so sitting in there getting a scoop and I think everybody else had flown, flown was it Jerez they flew to or, or somewhere like a, a, an airport it wasn't a civil airport mm-hmm. we actually flew into civil airport which was tiny flew into civil airport and then get a taxi straight into Seville and th- this was but it was still only 7 in the morning or something when we got in and there was just green and white bodies lying on the place people just <laughs> sleeping no honestly yeah, but, yeah, let's see the train station and everything um, people were coming out of car parks and just all wearing their, their hoops there were just bodies lying all over the place ended up meeting up with a whole raft of pals and it was uh, just absolutely wild didn't, didn't have tickets without tickets and one of the guys that was way an hour before the game, phone goes, because his uncle from New York had, had arrived and phoned my mate and said, you've got a ticket. Oh, I, I, you're saying that now? I wasn't <laughs> saying brilliant. I was done like, yeah, absolute swingy, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting scooping me him all day, now moaning about the fact we've not got a ticket and away we went. It was wild. Ended up, didn't make it to the big screen and there was about at least 200 days at a corner shop watching it on a wee, tiny, tiny television just in, in the corner shop. Didn't make it to the big screen. Um, then eventually got up to the big screen where the the sun bus was. Oh yeah. And uh, when Porto Porto scored, uh, one of, one of the sun bus turned around and gave it gave it the big in. Oh yeah. Uh, you can't be shocked at that, Paddy. I when Porto scored, so I um we actually had to hijack some poor Irish guy. You could not could not get a taxi. See, after it, it was just wild. Full, full of civil was just mental. There was always coaching horses doing the race. Oh, it was just, it was just wild, and we, we actually we couldn't get a taxi. And our flight, because we were we were going back, our flight was only like two hours after the game finished because mm-hmm. it was flying straight back. Mm-hmm. So we were absolutely stressing to try and get in a taxi to get back to the airport. Eventually, this taxi stopped at a set of lights, and this Irish guy was near enough passed out in the front <laughs> seat. Right, so we ran up and we're like, "Text the taxi driver, Airpuerto, Airpuerto." And the boy, the Irish boy's like, oh, look at it. And we all just piled in and we're like, to the taxi driver, just hotel for them, hotel, just chucking euros at him. Eventually got to the airport, sprinted in. Mechanical fault in the plane, five hour delay. Brilliant. Didn't sell booze or anything like that, man. Just lying, oh. lying. Just lost the UEFA Cup final. And it, was it silver goal or the, the silver goal. golden goal? Lying the marble flare, mm. just with a hangover hitting it. Oh, yeah. it was horrible. But, wouldn't change it for the world. What yeah. a day. What a day. A day of mixed emotions for you there, Miff. What about yourself, Paddy? You've been a young lad at that point. What yeah. was, have you got memories of Seville? As in, so just the game? 13, coming up in 14. Um, no need to show off. Nah, no bad. No, never never made it over. There was chat. Um, my sister has was looking at driving over because we, we kind of left it late and looking at stuff, but then she realised that a wee Nissa and Micra probably <laughs> wouldn't have made it all the way down there. Uh, or if it did, it wouldn't be coming back up. <laughs> um, no, my... my brother and my sister were over some great stories from them too like, quite like what you said they never they never went over with any accommodation so they were there for two nights and it was just a case of just stay fresh you know <laughs> as much as you can uh. um no i had a, an exam 
uh, the day of the game, so I wasn't allowed to go, and I had to watch it with my gran. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, rock and roll stuff, buddy. Absolutely. Uh, importantly, did you pass that exam, or is it, I did, is it all a bluff? Aye. That's good, and it's, it's done, it's done <laughs> you a whole lot of use now. Well. Um, yeah, it's obviously some brilliant memories, and there's so many stories from that time. Do you lads feel that, obviously, kind of bringing it back to the modern day, you know, when can Celtic reach anything close to that stage? You know, we're not going to get to a final anytime soon, but is it more about just competing again because we haven't really done so the last couple of seasons, have we? I think we're getting left behind a wee bit in that sense. I don't think the money coming into our league is helping us at all. Even if we were to do the Champions League, it's the, the routes are getting really harder, even if we were winning uh, the, the league in that sense and going through the, the Champions playoff. I think it's that you're starting to see a gap. The wee big, obviously the odd re big result we get in Europe, absolutely brilliant, but it's the, the smaller games that we're coming up against. Belgian opposition, Danish opposition last season, Copenhagen, sorry, two seasons ago, Copenhagen looked there for the taking and they, they absolutely destroyed us at Parkhead. I think we are, we, we, we need to start playing catch up and it needs to be now. And this is possibly a view of what they want to do. I don't know. The Conference League yep. is possibly going to be something that we can maybe start looking at. Mm -hmm. But that's really sad to say that. It is because, you know, the Europa League's a step down and then the Conference League is a, a further step yeah. in. And is that where we find ourselves? Because certainly in recent years, uh, and Matthew spoke about games against Man City and obviously, you know, Barcelona not all that long ago in 2012, we were a Champions League club around those times. We were qualifying on a relatively frequent basis. We've slipped since those days into being more of a U Europa League side. And then it would be a slip again to become a Conference side. So, I don't know. I mean, that's... First and foremost, the bread and butter and all that stuff is, you know, domestic dominance and getting back on track there. But how important do you feel the European remit will be for the new guy? Well, I think now that the, the, the whole 10 scenario is gone, that that has to be just as important because of the, Paddy mentioned there, revenue is, is so important now for, for any football club. It'll come from different streams. You need to be in those, those big games, you know, achieving those big moments to bring in additional revenue. Whether those moments lie within the Europa Conference League mm. we, we, we don't we don't know um, it's an immediately negative connotation for MD that, that's involved in, in British football because of how we view what would have been the historically the, the conference you yeah. know so you immediately think of the bottom the bottom tier the when, when, you, when you think of that yeah. so listen any, any European success I'd, I'd take an inner total cup you know any uh, European success would be would be very welcome I don't think we can be sniffy about that but at the same token, we, we have to be seen to be building something. And European football and achieving, you know, legitimacy and respect at European level has to be part of any new manager's remit. We, we assume that we're going to be at the very worst second place when we're in Scotland. Um, although you never know what's going to happen because Aberdeen themselves are going through a wee bit of a, 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 a kind of revolution at the minute. They're trying to upgrade themselves. So we, we need to do the same. We need to plan forward. And we need to just try and get back to where we were not that long ago. Mm -hmm. that, that is the thing. It seems quite a, a fall from grace. What about yourself, Paddy? What do you think? So, yeah, I, I'm a big believer that we were once, obviously, this Champions League team. And I think, like you say, we, we, we had a bit of a, um, kind of a, a good run in qualifying for it. I'm now of the opinion that we, because of, like I was saying, the, the stature of the club as regards to the revenue brought in, we do need to look at the Europa League. And if we want to take Europe seriously, we need to look at taking it seriously in that competition. Mm -hmm. I'm mentioning the, the Conference League there, um, as in, if you finish third now in the Europa League, you go into that. Right. And so that, that's your route to possibly winning something, mm -hmm. which is good. It brings money. One of the things that we are so far behind in just now, though, is um, I was talking to the guys about this. I think our, if you win the league in Scotland, the prize money is around the three and a half, four million mark. Yeah, maybe not even as high as four million, I think. Uh, I think three and a half is around about there. St Johnston. I think are going into the Conference League mm -hmm. three million. Right, okay, that huge. huge. That's crazy. Huge for a club like that as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, brilliant for them. Absolutely brilliant. But for your main league to be at that point, and this is a league again that still doesn't even have a sponsor at the moment, is mm -hmm. a is a huge factor as well. Yeah, it's interesting times, but we'll see. But I, I agree, Barry. You know, European football and Celtic, you know, have become synonymous over the years, and we can only hope that as well as you know making a real challenge of things next year. There's also some sort of progress uh, in terms of the European stage. Just as we're starting to wrap things up, lads, a couple of very small bits of AOB. Kamalik played Dundee in the, the second leg of the playoff. Any preferences on who stays up, who goes up? Oh, come on. We want Dundee up. How come? Four trips to Dundee in an away, away <laughs> day. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> that, that's probably, I, I actually don't mind my wee trips down to Rugby Park. It's quite a nice striking distance, but that 
park, that plastic park. Yeah. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be too gutted to see you. That, see, be honest, I don't. I, I really don't have any any preference whatsoever. I, I, I genuinely don't care. Don't care enough. Somebody who you do care about, Miff, and deeply uh, is Brendan Rogers. So Leicester agonisingly lost out in the top four there in the last day. He was asked by a commentator um, if he's still committed to the club in response to any Spurs rumours. He says he is 200% committed to the club. Does that mean he's off? <laughs> well, you know, I'd, I'd just rather no comment on him. <laughs> Keep if you've nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Would it surprise anybody if he rocks up? Absolutely not. No, nah, no doubt. So just as we're starting to wrap things up, Paddy, any final thoughts at this moment in time? So we're obviously, you know, the biggest talking points, the manager, and as I'd mentioned, nearly 13 weeks without one. Is that saga looking like it might be ending sometime soon? I hope so. I hope so. It's been it's been a long, long season. And, you know, it's now we start looking forward. I don't want to look back on that anymore. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, here's hoping something, something's around the corner quickly. Yeah, exactly. What about yourself, Miff? Finishing a positive. Um, well... Uh, you could probably insert some audio in here from many previous podcasts where I've said, right, this is it, lads, it's going to happen. But um, if, if, big if, still for me, if it is going to be Eddie Howe, the, the barriers to that are becoming less and less with every passing hour. So yeah. you would hope there's got to be some news sooner rather than later. But I'm, I'm not holding my breath. I think there was something online today regarding the months of managerial appointments and very few are actually made in May by Celtic it generally tends to be June and July when, when they're done um, time to buck that trend wh- why, that, why that is I don't know <laughs> but for me we, we just need something to kind of hold on and, and grasp onto so the quicker the announcement's made so that I can look forward to the new season and go and renew my season ticket bring it on yeah, yeah. spot on so as we enter the final days of May, are Celtic about to put an end to over 12 weeks of guessing and speculation by finally naming the new man in charge this week? If they are, we'll be here to cover the story for you and we'll also bring you our reaction as any news breaks with a special podcast episode. If you're looking for me in the meantime, I'll be trolling Yogi Hughes' Wikipedia page just to make sure we've got all the key facts for you ahead of the big announcement. Thanks to Miff and Paddy for joining me on today's show and as always, a thanks to you for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please continue to support us by following and leaving a review on Apple, Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find us on Twitter at Celt Exchange and on Instagram at the Celtic Exchange Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week or maybe even a wee bit sooner.